Welcome to The Stare Down, sports talk and real estate with Sean Carpenter of Coldwell Banker in Columbus, Ohio, Bill Risser of Fidelity National Title in Tampa, Florida, and Todd Meininger of Cummins, Georgia. Listen in as they discuss the week in sports and toss in a pinch of real estate too. Now your hosts, Sean, Todd and Bill. Hey, greetings, everyone. Welcome to an afternoon matinee edition of the Staredown on a Monday afternoon. What a weekend in sports. I'm Sean Carpenter in Columbus, Ohio, talking to my good buddies, Bill Risser down in St. Petersburg, Florida, and Todd Meininger somewhere on a beach, right, Todd? Uh, I'm back in Atlanta. The, the, uh, weather, the weather turned on us, so we, uh, we came home a day early. I almost was going to sing Dirks Bentley somewhere on the beach. Yes, uh, yes. But, uh, but welcome back. And uh, so we're, we're doing this. I was driving back from vacation. Uh, Bill, Bill was out with some friends and you were, uh, deciding whether you were going to stay in Florida or not. So a little afternoon, uh, really two main topics. We're going to focus on this episode guys, uh, cause Bill and I got to catch flights out to Arizona, but how can we not start with one of the craziest March madnesses? We say it every year, but this is what we live the tournament for, right? To have upsets and buzzer beaters and frustration and games we should have picked differently. Mm. I don't know where you want to start. Why don't we just start with the biggest story? How about that game on Friday night uh, between a little school outside of Baltimore and the number one tournament favorite, Virginia, number one seed overall? Uh, Bill, what was your reaction to the upset of all upsets? Yeah, that's that was exactly it, Sean. Upset. I, I, I quickly tried to figure out what was more shocking then a 16 beaten one, not only a 16 beaten one, but a 16 destroying a one. Yeah. Ro- reversing the roles, making the one look like a 16. It wasn't a crazy half court buzzer beater, you know, that, that worked out with a whole bunch of turnovers right beforehand. It was a thorough domination of the best team in the country. So, you know, I, I went to Buster Douglas, I went to Miracle on Ice, and I don't think they compare. I just I think, <laughs> I, I think Buster Douglas is close, but it's 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 not, but it's different. And here's yeah. why. Uh you know, you look at the odds on that fight, you look at how dominating Tyson was. Mm-hmm. And if you would have got a decision, you know, that might've been one of those fluky last second shots or, you know, half court heaves or something like that. But to knock him out uh, the way he did was, was pretty impressive. So, I, but, but it, look, 135 and one or 135, one and 135 yeah. to this point in our lifetimes, we may never see it again, or we may start seeing this now as a trend. It's only happened once in the women's side as well. Uh, with Harvard beating a number one uh, seed, I believe, one year. Todd, what do you think? Uh, gosh, we talked about it. Um, I'll raise my hand. I was firmly in the camp of uh, not seeing, you know, that happen. Uh, and I really did not think a 16 would ever beat a one. Um, sure, never never say never, but um, was kind of shocked. Um, I was away on, a, on a kind of a a mini long weekend uh, vacay, if you will. So I was kind of off social media, did not catch the end of the game, um, woke up the next morning and Sean, I was, I was going through Twitter and, um, and you mentioned you, you know, UMBC athletics and who's following politics right now. You had a little commentary of, you know, with this, the biggest upset. And of course I said, uh, you know, Hey, I've been off social media for a while. So this is great for me. And by the way, I don't even—I don't even know what UMBC stands for. <laughs> I, 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 I had to look it up. <laughs> I, yeah, I had to rack my brain a little bit. And being born in born in Baltimore, I, it was my second or third guess. But I didn't know if it was a Massachusetts, a, a Maryland, a, you know, Missouri. I didn't—I didn't know what it was. Um, but 
first of all, uh, fun to watch, um, not fun to watch, but fun to wake up and see the result and catch the highlights. But boy, really, really, really impressed with Tony Bennett and how he handled that. I'm sure you guys saw his, his presser yeah, solid. interview after just fantastic. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's what it's all about is, uh, you know, acknowledging that it's, it was painful, but uh, not running away from it and, and complimenting uh, the boys from Baltimore. He, he turned it right into a teaching lesson, right? I mean, there, in the moment when everyone's crushed, he turned it directly into a teaching moment for those kids, which is what they are, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, that was great. Yeah, and, you know, I, I appreciated with about two minutes to go in the game, you know, he took his starters out. He, yeah. he wasn't going to keep trying to foul. And, you know, um, even on the, yeah, at the end of the game, the guy, you know, Virginia got the ball after UMBC ran down the shot clock and just didn't even try a shot and – Virginia just held the ball for 10 seconds and just when you're beat your beat, right? Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was uh, appreciated that as a fan. And you know, the look, Virginia, well, the biggest upset to that point was Arizona going down to Buffalo. Yeah. Uh, and then people are like, Oh, how embarrassing is that for Arizona? And then, <laughs> and then Virginia happens and how embarrassing is that for Virginia, Virginia, Tony Bennett, as you said, handled it well. And then all of a sudden Cincinnati is up you know, 22 with hmm. 11, 11 minutes to go in that game uh, and, and they give it up. And I, I, I just want to share with you guys, you know, we talk about jinxes and we talk about all the time. It'll say, you know, hmm. did, did you see the jinx on uh, Roy McElroy on Saturday, Bill? I uh, did not. He's standing on the 18th tee. He hadn't made a bogey all day. Oh boy. Here it comes. <laughs> and you know, the stat comes up that says uh, the, the last time he went a whole round without a, you know, giving up a stroke, um, was the last year's Arnold Palmer Invitational, and sure enough, he he duck hooks it, you know, ten yards yeah. out of bounds. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm talking to two of my really good buddies, Bill, uh, who you, you met. Yeah, him. I met them both. Met them both in New York. Scotty and Sean, two yep. two UC alums. Um, I sent a text at 7:41, which is about 11 minutes and 22 seconds left in the game, and I just say, "Have fun in Atlanta." Oh boy, they hate Scott, you. Scott, <laughs> listen, listen, oh Scott replies back and says, "Don't jinx us, Carp. Ain't over till it's over." Right? Very, very calm. Some minor would say. Yeah. I say, "Yeah, sorry." Like I agree. Yeah. If I were you, I'd feel pretty good with a twenty-two point lead. <laughs> Ooh. And then Sean comes in and he says, "Damn it, Carp, you haven't been around the Bearcats long enough." Mm-hmm. And then a little winky face. Mm. And, then, and then ten zero run post Carpenter text, which went on to become an eighteen zero run, mm. uh, and. And and then Xavier does almost the same thing at the Florida State. They lost, yeah. L- listen to this, guys. The two Cincinnati teams, Xavier and UC, a one seed and two seed mm-hmm. in their respective brackets. They were outscored at the end of the game 50 to 12. Wow. Combined. To finish 50, both games. Yeah. To finish, to finish wow. both games. Um, it just 22-point lead and something about making adjustments or, mm-hmm. or, as Todd sometimes says, not making adjustments. And UC – they, they, they all of a sudden tried to start, um, instead of slowing it down, working some clock, they were shooting not just bad shots, but shooting bad shots with 23 seconds left on the shot clock, right? Hoisting up three-pointers, I guess, because they felt like we've built up this lead. We can't miss anything. Started hoisting up shots, and then it got to the, to the you know, that they were up by two, and now they start getting alligator arms. They can't get anything to the rim. Yeah, pucker factor, huh? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Well, it reminded me a little uh, when you brought that up, the, the, the Falcons, Patriots, uh, Super Bowl <laughs> loss. Um, you know, just run the clock, run the ball. They kept being aggressive. So part of you tips your hat. Hey, you dance with the girl that got you there. You're, you're moving quick. You're jacking up threes. But 
especially in these sports other than baseball, when the clock is either your ally or your foe, um, you've got to adjust. And it looks like they didn't. Did you guys notice that um, paybacks, paybacks are hell? Uh, FSU was a three seed last year and yep. the number, number 11th ranked uh, seeded Xavier uh, whooped them pretty good. So um, it's Leonard Hamilton, right? The, the FSU coach, Sean? Yes. Uh, yes. He, he had, he said something that is, is so basic and everyone knows it, but when you hear it coming from a guy who's been around a lot, he goes, we're not a better team than Xavier. We just played better today than Xavier. And, and it's so true. I feel if they play 10 times, Xavier wins eight out of 10. Um, they just, they just got them on a, on a good night. FSU. Yeah. So, so Bill, tell me your, your, uh, the game that stood out to you so far out of the first, what do you got? 32 and 16, first 48 games, which one? Well, from a person, from a purely selfish point of view, you know, I was dreading the Duke Michigan state game, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I just, who I have, I have Duke going the whole way. So mm-hmm. I was at a dinner last night and the TV was on in the background and somehow so I, I saw the, I, out of the corner of my eyes, I, I said, what Syracuse beat Michigan state. So yeah. from purely, you know, here's a team, the, the last team in right now, not the 68th worst team, but the last team in um, has now made it to the sweet 16. That's just Bayheim and his thing. And look, even though Kevin got a degree from Syracuse, I hate Syracuse. I hate mm-hmm. Bayheim. I, I love it when they lose. Um, but now they can just lose to Duke and I'll be happy. But for me, that's really the fun part. The other part is I heard a great, um, analogy for, for the Virginia game. Cause they are a slow methodical team, right? Just wear you out, you know, just run the clock out, um, play incredible defense, neither Duke nor Carolina scored 70 points on them, you know, but wow. little UMBC did. And they, they said it was almost like watching a clock that, you know, it likes progressing at its pace, but then it just kept getting speeded up and speeded up, right, by UMBC. And then the clock was just going so fast, it just exploded. They just mm-hmm. didn't do, right? I mean, yeah, it was just, that's, yeah, very cool. So looking at the brackets, uh, where we are where we're at now, um, you know, I, I guess you got to pump the brakes when you have an upset after upset. But yeah. Kentucky looks like the favorite in the East going to Catlanta. Uh, they've won, you know, championship they, after They championship. like it there, right? They like it there. They'll get tons of fans. And they're playing against a Kansas State team, which outlasted UMBC uh, in kind of an ugly game. That was just a game that, you know, both teams couldn't make for a, for a long period of time in that game. And at the bottom of the bracket, you have kind of the, the – I get all this Cinderella of the tournament, Loyola mm-hmm. Chicago and, and Sister Jean, um, who upset Miami mm-hmm. on a last second shot and then, and then handled Tennessee, but Tennessee, you know, uh, missed a shot at the – made a shot and then – uh, Loyola Marymount hits, hits another one to win. And then at the bottom of the bracket, you have Nevada, uh, who who is going to play. So you have a 10, you have an 11, hmm. you have a uh, 9, and a 5. Hmm. So I, I think we, we probably want to say Kentucky probably walks into the Final Four, but be careful, right? Because that bracket <laughs> seems to have, you know, they're going to they're gonna get Nebra- Nevada, who had a great comeback, as we said, or they're going to get a – you know, Loyola Chicago team that would have the entire country cheering for them. Yeah. And, and Sean, I'm, I'm, I'm really bad at East West, all these South. Yeah. That's South. Sorry. That's South. No. And I'm, I'm raising my hand saying I'm bad at Florida's in the West region playing in Dallas, which, you know, it just banging my head against the wall saying what? Um, And and I don't know if you mentioned them or if it's a different bracket, but boy, Clemson put a whooping on Auburn, didn't they? Um, That, that surprised me a little bit. Um, couple things that stand out i wish i had a lot of money and lived in vegas 
because I'm thinking Buffalo and UMBC, there was no way they're winning those, those games after those, uh, those big upsets. And, and they both lost, which, I mean, just the letdown factor has got to be huge. Yeah. Um, but, uh, gosh, what we love about March Madness is, you know, all the upsets that happened, the expecting unexpected. I watched Miami um, hit a buzzy buzzer beater on senior night in Chapel Hill. So, of course, I had them going on because, you know, I watched that one game and thought they were uh, for real. They get bounced in the first round. But also character comes up. Did you see – I'm sure you guys saw the clip of um, Michigan beat Houston, right? Am I, am I correct in uh, – Correct. Yep. Last second. And, and I'm sure you guys have seen the clip. If, if you haven't, find it. Everyone's sprinting to celebrate, and the one Michigan guy stops and uh, consoles the Houston player, who didn't seem like he wanted to be consoled, but I thought that was, a, that was another good uh, March Madness moment uh, out there. So let's just quickly go through the brackets. South, we think Kentucky is the, probably the favorite on, on that side to make the Final Four. Uh, over in the West, uh, like I said now, you have uh, Florida State going against Gonzaga. Mm. Uh, and you have Michigan uh, going against upstart Texas A&M, who really put a whooping on North Carolina, defending champ. Now, third year in a row, I believe, the third year in a row, the defending champion hasn't made it out of the round of 32. Wow. Um, yeah, so, so in that bracket, you have a four and a – nine and you have a three and a seven who, who do you like in that uh for they're playing out in la i believe so michigan is the lowest seed gonzaga been there done that uh won a game against ohio state that they were up i think they started 18 to two run mm. we're losing that game by five with i think less than six minutes to go and ohio state kind of just just couldn't close it and then, and then a Texas A&M team, which I honestly, I, I would not have picked. Uh, President Bush did a uh, nice little tweet, <laughs> nice little tweet he sent to Barack Obama. He has Texas A&M winning it all. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. But uh, who knows? That, that could be a, a fun thing to watch. But who do you guys like in that bracket, Bill? Well, I, I have uh, Michigan coming out of that side. That's what I picked at the beginning. Uh, oh, you like, did? Okay. Yeah, I did. I, I have I'm Michigan beating Gonzaga and the uh, Elite Eight. So wow. uh, I got to stick with that, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a that's interesting. Okay, so Michigan, Gonzaga, and 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 then Michigan advancing. Todd, who do you like? Uh, since it's in LA, uh, I like uh, Gonzaga out there. Um, I think it'll be Gonzaga, Michigan. I think um, these Zags uh, are cutting down the nets in in LA. Yeah, and now as we say that, it could be the uh, um, who's the coach at Texas A and M now? The football coach that was at Florida State. Oh, Jimbo. Jimbo, Jimbo Fisher might be uh, in a pickle if, if Florida State and Texas A&M play in the Elite Eight. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's go across, across the bracket, looking at the Midwest. Uh, that one's pretty close to chalk. You have Kansas playing Clemson, and then you have – well, I guess not. You have the, the, the closest to chalk is the East. Um, but the uh, Kansas playing Clemson, uh, and then Duke playing Syracuse. Interesting on the tournament challenge on ESPN, the people's bracket. Um, that's the closest – um, bracket with Kansas and Duke each getting 50% of the national vote. Mm. And s- somehow they decided to put on the ESPN bracket, even though it's a 50, 50 between Kansas and Duke, they have Duke in the final four. So there must've been some sort of tiebreaker on how they pick that. But um, Bill, you obviously like Duke advancing uh, on both of those games. I mean, I do. I have uh, once again, I had I, my bracket, you know, um, on the bottom half, my elite eight is good. I have Kansas and Duke playing to advance uh, one and then Duke advancing to the final four. So I'm, I'm all in. Okay. Yeah, my uh, my friend from Pinellas County, or are you Hillsborough County? Uh, Pinellas. Pinellas. Yeah, he, he is correct. Um, Duke will <laughs> Duke will beat Kansas. Uh, a little a little chalky there, but um, 
I think uh, I think Duke. I had them in the finals. Um, I had them losing in the finals, but I so I'm going to stick with that. Bill, remind me again where the Midwest is playing. Are they playing in Chicago? Ooh, that might be right. Um, I can look. I don't have it up. Yeah, I don't have it up. Yeah, it doesn't show up on my. They're at Omaha, Nebraska. Oh, Omaha, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so that's pretty close to Kansas. So Rock Chalk will have a a lot of fans there. Um, uh, Duke, for a small school, does have a pretty good traveling base, and uh, you know, once again, they Duke is a team. I think the 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 zone. You're right, Bill. Uh, They've got Gary Trent. They've got Grayson Allen on the on the perimeter. They've got Bagley uh, and. the other big kid, Barrett, uh, inside. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they, they have a nice, you know, indoor-outdoor combo to uh, to challenge. So, But Syracuse, like Michigan State, always that time of year, you know, between Bayheim and, and the style they play is interesting. And then up in the, up in the east, uh, that, I know for, for a fact that's in Boston because that's yes, where sir. Florida yep. would have gone. Um, Villanova kind of takes over the mantle as the, the next number one seed uh, by ranking. Uh, they're going to play West Virginia, who who won kind of a a game that no one really paid attention to last night over uh, Marshall because it was the last game and all the upsets had already happened and it was a big win. And then down at the bottom of the bracket, it's the Texas Tech team that that held on to beat Florida, um, playing a Purdue team that lost their their starting center. Did you guys see that P- poor injury to that Haas kid? Fell on his elbow and, and mm. broke it in three or four places. Um, so that one is a one five two three. So that's as close to chalk in that bracket. As you can get, Bill, Bill, once again, let's start with you. Who do you like coming out of that East? Well, I, I, you know, the Purdue injury is going to be big and they did look a lot different afterwards. So, I mean, I'm going to, I'll take Texas tech in that game. Uh, I had Florida actually advancing uh, to the, out of, (laughs) to the, a game against Villanova. I like Villanova, West Virginia, for sure. Because I have, you know, Villanova in the final four losing to Duke. So. Okay. Todd. Uh, yeah, I, I loved, loved, loved Purdue. Um, but obviously with that injury, it changed it a little thing. Um, I still, I still want to pull the trigger, but I think Villanova being from the Philly area, it's in the Northeast, uh, injury to Purdue. I'll, I'll pick, I'll pick Nova over Purdue, um, advancing to the final four. Okay. Yeah. I like, I like Nova. I have Nova, um, on the, in the East I, or in the South, I had, uh, UVA and Arizona in a couple of brackets. So that's out. Um, I still have Gonzaga in the, in the West. Um, I had Xavier in one, one bracket, but they're out. Uh, and I had Carolina in another. Um, and then down South, I believe I have uh, Duke in one bracket and Kansas in another. So um, depends on which one I'm in, but I'm not threatening to win any of my brackets. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, look, I have, I have three final four teams left and my national champion. That puts you like in the top 10%, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, it's been, you know, it was such a, a blow up this year. Are you guys like me? Warren Buffett offered a million dollars to anyone who could, could predict the Sweet 16. That's it. Just the first two rounds. And I'm like, who did I get? No one picked that, right? How do you, how do you pick Loyola? How do you pick Virginia losing, right? It's crazy. After, after Saturday, I checked out the uh, big CBS sports poll, and yeah. one guy had missed three. That was it out of the first three days, which is really impressive, but that's yeah. not perfect. Still not a perfect score. Yeah. Once again, I, I look at that, you know, the, the ESPN fan bracket, which is just yeah. basically where the 3% of people picked UMBC to beat Navy or Virginia. Now, do you think that's like a mistake or do you think people just found no. so many, so many brackets that they try and try and do the odds of every bracket? I up? think, I think that somebody who doesn't know basketball filling Cat, out. Cool. That's casual exactly sports fan. No, yep. Just going, no, this, I'll just pick this or like, I, I, Oh, I've been to Baltimore. I'll yeah, pick, yeah, exactly. I like their jerseys. I like their pool, right? That was my favorite airport I've been to last exactly. year. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah, I agree, um, Bill. Yep. Over on the women's side uh, of interest, uh, did you guys see the U- UConn score in the first round? <laughs> no. Did, one did, we, did we pick the South, by the way? I don't think we did. You, yeah. Kentucky? Did we? All right. I think we all agreed Kentucky. Okay. Uh, in, in, and Gino RM, I got a little, little crap from this, once again, from the casual fan. They won over St. Francis Uh-oh. 140 to 52. Now, he pulled his starters, I believe, 10 minutes into the second quarter. Um, I don't know what else you're supposed to tell the girls to do. Um, you're not going to go into four corner because of the shot clock. Um, you're not just going to not shoot. You know, It would be even more disrespectful, right, if you gave up. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So um, just looking through there, UConn plays tonight, Duke and Georgia. A lot of chalk um, in the women's bracket no no big upsets the tennessee loss at home though big deal right yeah that, that is true first, first time ever they lost an ncaa tournament game at home wow season. is that right yeah. i missed that one wow yeah yeah so uh as far as making it already yeah tennessee loses to oregon state um they're gonna play baylor in that bracket louisville's advanced uh, just looking across at the heading to the sweet 16 if we have any non-chalk uh, yeah all chalk in the sweet 16 as of right now yeah. One for oh, except for Oregon State. That's the only one uh, not in Tennessee, right? Yep. Oh, I'm sorry, that was Oregon. Yeah. All right, guys. One more story because uh, we're going to try and do a short episode this week. Uh, how fun was golf this week? Mm. <laughs> Bill, it started with us having a great time on Sunday last week. Yeah. Uh, playing playing uh, uh, over at your place. And how did you play yesterday? By the way, uh, I had 22 points, so okay. that's pretty that's decent. Um, and I actually had a chance to be in the 24 25 range. I just kind of uh stumbled in anthony on 14 again uh we started on uh, 15 the part okay. little part three yeah and i parred that and bogeyed the uh, double bogey the next hole but then parred the next three so i had a great start i was hot but uh, anthony malafronte uh, finished third won a little bit of money uh, okay. another guy in our, i had a birdie on a par three that was cut by four other guys <laughs> not just one and uh that's all right anytime, anytime you can write a two on your scorecard it's good yeah, it was mm-hmm. good. And Anthony, uh, Anthony uh, Joe Carney, another guy in our group, had a nice birdie. So great day. The weather was just spectacular. A little overcast, which is perfect for me. Uh, had a great day. And I'm, but I'm looking forward to this week. We talk about golf. We'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. But <laughs> match play, right? I got three. No, I got three. Tur- I got three rounds lined up in the next six days. Oh, oh gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Bill and I have a tea time uh, in about uh, twelve <laughs> hours, seventeen hours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Assuming you get to Phoenix. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, Bill, where do you want to start? You want to just go round by round because it was just a, it was a fun, fun yeah. week. I think I think I want to start with uh, the great thing they're doing with the ambassadors, having Ricky Fowler all yeah. roll it up, and uh, you know I, I think that was just a great idea that, to, to uh, really honor Arnold's legacy. I mean, they're really doing a good job, and they even I know Mastercard's the presenting sponsor, but it's still not a MasterCard Invitational. It's the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Mm, I hope yeah. they can keep that for a long time. So so hats off to everybody at Bay Help what they do, because I think that's a great job. I'll tell you, it was neat because, you know, uh, we've always known it as Bay Hill, right? It's just been the Bay Hill Invitational. Yeah. Um, and then it, since Arnold's death, it's become Arnold Palmer Invitational. Um, MasterCard, they're everywhere out there. Yeah. But, but they're on not. The flags, but, everywhere. But, on the tee boxes. Yeah. Um, but it's not grossly um, a MasterCard tournament, as you said, it, yeah. it clearly Arnold Palmer and, you know, and it's nice because all the concession stands, all the, um, all the souvenir booths, if you use your MasterCard, you get a discount, um, nice. which is great, you know, kind of unexpected. Um, was that your first nice. trip this year? Was that your first trip to that event? 
Uh, first trip to the event. I've, I've played the course twice. Okay. Um, yeah. And so obviously to see it with the stands up and trying to, you know, trying to envision, you know, the sight lines without the stands and the ropes and, yeah. and, the, and the scoreboards. Um, but it starts out, you know, with the Sam Saunders, a very well thought of young player, Arnold's grandson uh, is kind of the, in the new, lieu of Arnold, he's kind of the new uh, face of the tournament. Uh, mm-hmm. he's, he's the, I guess the host is, is the right word for it. Um, and then they have the three, what'd you call them, Bill? The the three like ambassadors. Ambassadors. Yeah. And it was Ricky, it was Nancy Lopez and it was Peter yep. Jacobson. Yep. Um, and so it sounds to me like they're going to, are they going to try and pick one each year or is Ricky going to be it? Well, I think Ricky has a special relationship with Arnold, but I'll bet you they kind of rotate those around. That'd be my yeah. guess, but we'll see. Yeah. And his shoes, uh, you know, he had like his high tops had the little umbrellas on it and it was really yeah. cool. Yeah. I think he might be a MasterCard guy also. Uh, I think it may be a sponsor, but. Oh, uh, okay. Um, yeah. Sean, I was going to, let me jump in. I think, again, Bill hit on the head and I think you're in agreement, but does any sport do uh, a better job than golf in honoring tradition, um, past champions? I mean, I, I watched uh, today before we jumped on, I watched a little thing on Rory um, on Twitter and they basically showed uh, tweets from the, you know, his peers and famous golfers and right. Gary Player, and every single one is, you know, they almost ended saying Arnie would be proud. You know, you you made uh, you made Arnold proud this week. Yeah. Um, I, I I just love that about the uh, tournament. Um, you know, they, they obviously are honoring and they honor people when they're alive too. I mean, they honor they've honored Arnie all the time. Jack, they're doing it whenever he's up uh, on his tournament. Um, so anyway, I just I thought that was. Well, there's 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 a there's a neat story with uh, Rory and Arnie, right? Because uh, Palmer wanted him there like in 2012, 2013. Rory didn't play there. Yeah. And uh, and I remember uh, Palmer's a, a story. Who knows if it's true? But Palmer basically said, "Yeah, if you don't show up next year, you'll you'll have trouble playing future events with a broken arm." Like <laughs> like he was gonna you know go get him. Yeah. But, uh, but he but then he finally showed up and he had a great dinner with Arnie that first event. I think it was 2014 when he played. Um, and you know, just, there's all kinds of stories about Arnold Palmer and it's, he's, um, without a doubt, it's, it seems like he's the nicest guy who ever touched a golf club. And that's cool. I love to hear that because he, you know, even the MasterCard commercial with the little girl, Chloe, we all saw it Mm -hmm. a million times. What a great commercial. Well done. (laughs) Yeah. Super cool. So, you know, if you think Todd, that's a great insight from you as a non-golfer, but you know, uh, the colonial for a long time was Hogan's tournament. uh, Right. You know, they called it, uh, um, you know, while he wouldn't go down and greet the winner, he was always there and the the players would go and shake his hand. And then Byron Nelson, you know, which is the the week before, um, Byron and his wife, his wife still sits up on the stand now, but, you know, they'd all go up and shake Byron's hand. Uh, Arnold would sit by the 18th hole. I remember Arnold used to sit in his golf cart on the 16th tee, which overlooked the 18th hole, and then he would drive around as the leaders were coming in. Uh, and now it's, you know, it's kind of sad to start thinking of that day, but when Nicholas, you know, at the Memorial tournament, it's, he is now the, the one that everybody, you know, trying is trying to win Jack's tournament, obviously because it's Jack. Um, but he's kind of that last living legend having a tournament. Now, I mean, someday maybe the Tiger Woods Invitational, uh, whatever it's called, the AT&T, um, will, will be that for, for some of these young guys. But, you know, it, it is a great tournament. The course was absolutely built. I'm sure on TV you could tell oh, how perfect it was. Those and greens it, look like they were smoking fast. Well, it, it is smoking. It is a different course for a Florida course because it is all bent grass. Wow. Um, you know, it's funny. You're, we were walking down number 10 where Tiger started his day on number uh, on Thursday. And, um, you know, it's all bent grass. And then the first house off the fairway where the, where the fence is, you know, the snow fence – 
is all Bermuda. And so it's amazing. Wow. Like the, the, the difference, yeah, just the line you can see of, of that difference. And, oh man, those greens were, I'm going to guess they were somewhere between a 12 and a 13. Right? I heard, I was just going to say, I, did I hear correctly? I was listening to uh PGA radio on Sirius 208. Um, one of the greens, they said ready 14 on the stint meter. Is that possible? I, oh yeah. I, That's very I mean, possible. Yeah. A 14. I, I, you know, I've heard 12s. I've heard 14. Wow. I mean, that's just, that's just like painting on, uh, I'm sorry, putting on marble, right? I mean, it's well, just, yeah. And great preparation for Augusta, which is you know, what a lot of those guys are trying to get out of that. Well, that's why it'll be the last tournament a lot of guys play before Augusta. Yeah. But it's, and that's, that's a big part of it. I think that's a big part of the allure of coming there is because they get the speed. But, you know, it's mm-hmm. funny, Todd, you, if you talk to most of the guys at that level, they'd rather play 13s and 14s than 8s and 9s, you know? Okay. You know? Yeah. Because because if their putt is true, it's going to go in, you know? Um, that's why you always hear guys say things like, you know, I'm okay if I hit the putt where I wanted it and it didn't go in. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly you want to make it, but a lot of guys are very happy with a putt. Jordan Spieth says it all the time. He's like, I hit the putt where, exactly where I wanted to. It just, it just didn't go in. That's Peter Jacobson's line, right? He said, it, it, you can hit a perfect putt and it won't go in. A perfect putt means you hit it on the line at the speed you intended to hit it, mm-hmm. right? That's a perfect putt. And you've got to just go, okay, I did it exactly like I wanted to. Don't uh, dwell on the result. You know, kind mm-hmm. of kind of keep keep the process going and keep hitting those perfect putts. Obviously, most of them will fall. So yeah. it's pretty interesting. Cross, cross, it's not even a sport, but cross game. Uh, they say in poker, they say it's not the wins and losses, it's making the correct decisions, which I guess is kind of what you're saying. If you hit the, the good speed and the line you want, you know, that that's the proof. But that's well, there, there's bad beats in poker all the time, right? Uh, absolutely. But and you want to make all right, in your favor. Yep. You want to make the right decisions and you can't judge by win and loss. So, no. so let me just share my quick experience guys. So um, Ryan says, Hey dad, can we go see it? You know, we were outside of Orlando. Um, he's never seen Tiger Woods. It's amazing to watch him as a 16 year old, how just absolutely enamored he is with Tiger Woods, not from a, uh, you know, he's a, he's a very solid golfer, Bill. I think you'll attest to the 16-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very tuned to the game. He doesn't, he doesn't watch a lot of tournaments, but he knows what's going on through Instagram and through PGHour.com. Um, he'll watch little snippets of the event. Um, and he really wanted to see Tiger Woods in person, right? He wanted to go to Valspar, and, and, and then when he played good there. So we went online, and we were able to get tickets, and he got a junior pass. And, and um, we went over to, to the first round, and, and we were staying about 40 minutes away. Uh, we knew that traffic in Orlando is horrible. Hmm. Uh, so we yeah. got up early and got to the course at 6.50 in the morning. Tiger teed off at 8.20. So we knew he'd be on the range, you know, probably by 7.40 at the early at the latest. And it was cold, Bill. As you know, those cold mornings in Florida are even extra cold, aren't they? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we... You're not ready for him. Yeah. We watched him. We watched him uh, warm up uh, as, as well as some other golfers. The way that PGA Tour does it is they usually try and put bookend groups around tiger um that are number one prepared for what you're going to get so in front of him was justin rose bubba watson and patrick reed and behind him was um zach johnson and a couple other guys i can't think of who they were but a a level players um and so to get you know when you follow a a tiger group you're you're not going to follow him all 18 holes unless you just don't want to see every shot because even if if you follow him you by the time you get to the green if you watch his fairway shot, you're literally some on some holes, 15 people deep from the road. And unless you can get up on a hill 
to see the top of his head, which what's the point. So Ryan and I played it very strategically. Uh, I was very proud of Ryan. He, he, he realized very early we weren't going to see every shot Tiger hit, but on some shots we got to be right up on the ropes mm. and his very first birdie of the day, he started on number 10. We watched him play 10. We skipped 11 because 11 goes around a big pond and then comes back up and 12 is a par five. And so we stood right by the green as luck happened. Tiger hit it on our side of the green, him and Joe LaCava's caddy were standing, you know, maybe four feet from us as they were waiting wow. for, for wow. Matsuyama to, to hit a shot. And you know, these, these days, Bill, they don't even try and put the, 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 uh, the, the cell phones away. No, just keep them they quiet. Just, they just say, keep, keep them silent. And every yeah. once in a while, a caddy would say, you know, you'd hear someone's, you know, click, camera click, click. Yeah. Yeah. or you'd hear a blip, like a, they got a text. And so they, the caddies would just say, please silence your phone. Yeah. Um, and they it's really that, didn't want, it's crazy. Yeah. And, and I guess I, I just think the players have said, look, this is, this is where we're at right now. Let's, let's, let's be fan friendly. Yeah. Um, and as long as you're, and most people were Instagramming or Snapchatting. Well, then Tiger's very first birdie of the day was we were looking right on it. You know, we were looking right at it down the line. And it, later that day, they, they were showing highlights during the uh, March Madness. And um, you could see me and Ryan standing in the background with both of our cameras out filming his first birdie putt of the day. Uh, so kind of fun. And so you got to see him up close. You got to hear kind of the conversations between the caddies, um, which was really cool. Uh, you know, he had one loose shot really in his day. That was that, that shot on three, which was his 12th hole. He hit, hit it out of bounds. Mm. Um, shoots, shoots a four under, uh, very impressive. But, you know, gosh, Henrik Stenson goes eight under, uh, takes a big lead. Tiger doesn't make up any ground on, on Friday. He shoots even par in a, in a match that – or in a, in, a, in a round that I think, Bill, you were watching on TV. We were texting back and forth. Everyone in that audience wanted him to go low. I mean, yeah. the fans were just – I wrote about it in my blog today, you know, just cause you want something to happen doesn't mean it's going to. Right. And, um, and then we go to the weekend and Stenson has a pretty good lead, but DeChambeau and Justin Rose. And isn't it funny, Bill, how these tournaments with Arnold and Jack and they just seem to get the best leaderboards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, you don't, it's, yeah, you don't. <laughs> it's cause the courses are good. It's cause yeah. the courses are, are t- difficult and it really good courses and great players show up, but he's, yeah, it, yeah, it, so. It, it identifies the player, right? Yeah, it, yeah absolutely. It it, you know, um, Gary Vaynerchuk has a way of saying, he says, he says social media doesn't ex, uh, expose people. It, it identifies people. You know? Right. It, it, it tells you who's, who's who when it comes to playing, right? The playoffs, NHL playoffs is all about who's the best team. Over seven, seven game series on, you know, multiple ice, uh, you're going to see who the best teams are. The chance of a fluke happening in these tournaments are so rare. That's why when a Craig Perks wins the wins the TPC. So let's let's just talk about the last round, Bill. What, what was your what was your um, what was your take on? You know, gosh, let's let's call it what it was. It was Tiger's run um, that just came up a little short. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, that front nine. He shot three hundred on the front and saved a couple of pars, which were big because you just knew he couldn't you couldn't go backwards anywhere, right? Right. And then. Um, you know, obviously, to, to pull within a shot of the lead on mm. with five holes to go, you're going. This could be it. This could be amazing. Um, but the uh, the the shot out of bounds on 16 obviously ended anything. But more, even more so than that, was Rory McIlroy really um, finding something he hasn't had in a couple of years. A hold yeah. that gear that he had back in his run when he won his four majors. 539 days. Unbelievable how well he win. played. Yeah, unbelievable. He he absolutely deserved to win it. And I even love the fact that he. He talked about on 18 that he said, he goes, I've seen Tiger make this putt a million times. I knew what it was going to do. He, yeah. he really wanted to make that putt on 18 because he knew, you know, and even the fist pump was an homage to Tiger. 
I mean, he wasn't showing him up. He yeah. was basically saying, this is the guy that got me in the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was very, very, uh, very cool. I, you know, look, I'm a big Tiger Homer. I loved for him to win. But look, two top five finishes, the effortlessness of the game for him, the stinger two irons, the every, his short game, incredible. And, you know, so I think it's going to be fun uh, April 5th through the 8th. <laughs> look, the way that, have you been to Bay Hill, Bill? I have not the way 16 comes down the hill. So 16 T yeah. is way, way back. Like no, you, no fans can get back there. When, it, okay. when, it, when you come up 15, you walk out and then you walk honestly like 200 yards back to the T, which, which kind of sits over the water looking down on 18 green. Okay. So the, and, and, and then you come down the chute and around and then 17 comes back and then 18 comes back. So 17 green is right near where the guys are hitting their second shots on 16. Okay. So Rory, you know, birdie's eight, birdie's 16 yeah. hits it 10 feet short of the pin on 17. looks like he's going to birdie his fifth in a row. And as he's walking off after missing that putt, he hears DeChambeau, maybe 110 yards as the crow flies sink the Eagle putt. Mm. So he knows he's got a one stroke lead and then he, you know, hits a perfect drive with a three wood down 18 bombs that one in there super high. And then yep. as you said, makes that putt, which he basically said, there's no way this guy's going to birdie the last two holes, you know, and, and after DeChambeau, you know, so he hears that roar, but then DeChambeau hears the roar up on 18. Yeah. And it's funny when you heard uh, Steve Sands from the golf channel was talking to both Rory and, and Tiger and he was asking them, what's a Tiger roar? Mm-hmm. And, and all the players just said, Oh, you know, a Tiger roar. It was, it was <laughs> like a, it was like a Jack roar at Augusta, right? Yep. You knew a tiger roar. And then, you knew, a Rory roar. Uh, it's different than a tiger roar. And, and you could hear it out there. You know, we were, when tiger made that big 71 foot putt on, yeah. on number seven on, on the, Thursday, yeah. we had skipped up to number eight. And as soon as we were, as soon as we heard it, we're like, tiger made darn it. it, you know, <laughs> like we knew he made it. Well, we talked, <laughs> it's, we said, darn it, but we couldn't yeah. see. Yeah. We had, we had sat on six to watch him, you know, hopefully go for the green in two. Uh, and, and then by the time you get up and the crowd goes away, you can't get anywhere in your seven. So it's, it's, it's really a strategic thought process to, to follow Tiger. Let me, let me give you a um, real quick, a strategic in 2008, I was at the uh, Tiger's final major, you at Torrey Pines. And we were there for the playoff against uh, Rocco media. Say the year again, which is Uh, 2008. When he won his 14th major. Wow. (laughs) He's gone 10 years without a major. So I, uh, we, we, this is how we did it. We watched him. Maybe. We were up by the first green. Yeah, we were up by the first green. Um, and then we went to four. And then we went to seven. And then I went back to the 18 stands and sat there. The yeah. entire rest of it saved two seats for Kevin and Logan while they hopscotched around. When he they're out on 15, they hustled back to 18 because it was getting tough to hold the seats. And then we sat back in the grandstand where we sat the day before when he made the putt. I mean, there's no other way to do it. And there's, you know, you have the screens are up playing it. And it's just impossible. Like you said, this was just two guys. But it was packed with people, and you just nobody like it's different. Um, it, it, the Masters in '99, uh, I followed Phil the entire round. I watched every shot. Uh, it was doable. I just picked. I'm going to follow Phil this round. It wasn't. Yeah, tight. and and let's let's. There's also a limited number of patrons. At, That's true. At yeah, it gets crowded around the, around 16, uh, 15, 14. It, I mean, it's crowded over there. Sure. You know, the T box and 13. Then 13. There's only one side to to, 
you know, 13, yeah. you come down that one side and there's no other place to go. Right. Yeah, I've never 12, been yeah, 12 and 13, you just, you just go to the end of the forest kind of, that kind yeah. of, uh, you know, goes around the corner and I just stood there, watch 12 from there, then watch them tee off on 13. And then you just kind of head back up to 14 fairway. There's not much more you can do. Yeah. So, yeah. so let's talk about the shot on 16 that, that, you know, I, I loved what Tiger said in his interviews. His, his, I love Tiger 2.0. His interviews yeah. are more, they're more genuine. They're less, robotic they're less well i didn't mm. have my a game today he's he's really kind of giving you a glimpse he calls him sansy he's not guarded yeah you're exactly right todd he's 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 kind of just you know i don't know it just you wonder if he would have had this from the beginning would he have had this many wins or would he have had this many like haters you know like you know because i think everyone's rooting for the guy to win now i really I, I don't know anyone who's not although if you watch if you you are you are todd i saw you pointing uh I was, I was going to, I mean, finish your thought and then I'm going to jump in. Because I, I, you know, it still is to the point where I bet if you looked at yesterday's coverage, Rory had a round for the ages and I bet you saw 10% of his shots. Yeah. And you saw, you know, a hundred percent of tigers, Um, you know, but the shot on 16 I'm referring to, he, he comes there after making a great birdie at 13, saving par on 14 after really just missing that shot. 15 yep. hits in the bunker, then, you know, makes great up and down. 16, he can easily hit the green in two. All those guys out there, can hit, they can hit in the bunker and hit the green in two. It's not did, even an issue. Did you hear what he said about the, the – Yeah, well, that's – I want to talk about that because he, he just – he couldn't commit to the shot. He knew if he hit a driver, he had to kind of cut it. Mm-hmm. But then he said, or I could have just hit a driver as hard as I wanted. And or, who a th- or a three would, it would have gone 310. Yeah, who cares where it would have gone? And Think about it. But if I just wouldn't have thought to try and hit the perfect shot, and then he talked about he couldn't commit. Mm. Um, Todd, let me start with you as a non-golfer. What did you hear in his in his response? And the shot went. They said thirty yards out of bounds. I mean, uh, I was it was bad. Yes. So, so I'm uh, I'm just a bad golfer, not a non-golfer. I tease. Um, so three quick bullet points, and then I have to have an observation. You can come back to me, but I, you guys are just blowing my mind. So. Um, I was pointing myself. This is self-proclaimed. I mentioned it last week. I've never been a Tiger fan. And you said it, Sean, 2.0. The guy's humble. He's not guarded. Um, my biggest complaint was he was almost robotic, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's due with his upbringing. Maybe that's due with you know him living his life the way he did. But look, I was rooting hard for Tiger, and I never would have said that years ago. Um, still a Phil guy, but Love it. Love Tiger. Rooting for him because I see a difference in him. And who doesn't love a comeback story? Um, and he's kind of an underdog. You never would think about about Tiger, but uh, he, he kind of is. So he obviously had trouble on 16. He bogeyed two of the last three holes, and McElroy birdied five of the last six, right? So that's, yeah. that's the difference. Think about that. Five of the last six he birdied. Yes. So unbelievable. And we'll get back to 16, but I've got to make this observation because I'm a tennis guy, right? You guys are golf guys. I'm a tennis guy. And you guys watch Faraday at all? Yes. Mm-hmm. Love it. Best so tennis they, interviewer they, in sports. Yeah. They, they, they had a, and I don't know why they had this, but they had um, Fowler, Faraday, and Bob Jack. Bryant. No, Bob Bryant. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of the Bryant brothers, the right? Bryant brothers. Yeah. The doubles yeah. team. Yeah. And, and I was just like, I was fascinated by it, and, and Ricky's going on, Sean, just like you just talked, and Bill, just like you talked. 13 was a dog like this. He, he used an eight iron, remember? And Bob Ryan just sitting there, he goes, man, you golfers just have the best memories. 
And it's so true because the nature of tennis is so – it's reaction, right? It, it's reaction, boom, 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 where golf is more, you know, you play four rounds and you know the intricacies. Every tennis court's the same, right? There's no dog leg on the tennis court. Um, there's different surfaces, I suppose. But uh, the way he just said it, he goes, God, you golfers just have the greatest <laughs> memories. I'm listening to you guys talk about 99, uh, you know, U.S. Opens and Masters. I'm, a, I'm like, I feel like a dog just with an empty bubble over my head, you know. It's like. Now, yeah, that's a good observation, Todd, because sometimes, you know, sometimes we joke about that when, you know, if I was in the clubhouse ahead of Bill in that group he plays, and I said, hey, how'd you play? All I want to know is, did he shoot a 77 or a 92 or whatever? And some golfers will say, well, in the first hole, I, I should have made par, but I hit an bunker. <laughs> yeah. And right. they almost walk you through your whole round. You know, yeah. I can, I can tell you, Todd, I played Pebble beach in, in the nineties, I think. And I, I can tell you where every shot went. I can tell you every shot on that course. Cause it was so memorable, you know, yeah. and you know, it's, and, and I play, and I, and I play a tennis match and I'm not positive what the score was. I don't know if it was <laughs> six, three, six, two or six, four, six, two. That's funny. It, it's just the nature of the beast. I think of the different sports. Um, but yeah, I'm, yeah. I think you were talking about Tiger's drive on 16. I had to crowbar that in there because it's, uh, so, it's fun to watch you guys talk like that. So, Bill, your, your thought on the, on the tee shot and what, what his – I don't want to say – it, it laid in a swimming pool. Yeah, it? It, it wasn't an excuse. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was uh, his, honestly his answer. You know? So, he, yeah, that's a, that's a Bob Rotella thing that I, I try to work on. We talked about it. I think we talked about it uh, when we played. Uh, it's um, you, you should never hit a shot anyways. Like, you know, oh, you have a second thought when you're standing over the ball. You go, I'll just hit it anyways. I'll be all right. I'll just, I'll just hit it. You got to be fully committed. You exactly what you want to do, and it's and like as an amateur and a to eleven handicap, whatever I am, I'm doing that. Um, eh, maybe fifty percent of the time I'm committed. The other fifty, I just hit it anyways. Even when I know how important it is for a pro, not only a pro but um, one of the top two greatest golfers of all time. How does he do that? How does he let that happen? It's amazing. And Phil did it too, right? At, at, um, mm-hmm. uh, Wingfoot, Wingfoot, yeah, Wingfoot, so, yeah, yeah, Wingfoot. So. It's, it's incredible how they have that little tiny lapse. Um, and you just, like you said, you overthink a little bit. And Tony Gwynn talked about it a lot. It was, it was being in the zone, right? When he was in the zone and just stroking the ball, just raking it, he wasn't analyzing and thinking. He was just kind of doing it. And I think that's when Tiger's playing his best. He's not overanalyzing it. He's just going, that's the shot. Great. Commit to it. Hit it. Boom. And, and also, I think, and you guys tell me wrong, they're so good that they can get away with it. That, that, you know, right. I've been a million oh. times he hasn't committed to it and he hits it 320 right down the, sure. it's just a, in the fourth round, hole 16, yeah. uh, you know, maybe he's, he's human and, and, and I don't know, pressure got to him, but well, yeah, I love the fact that afterwards he said, Hey, I just, it's my fault because I didn't commit to the shot yeah. and that's refreshing. It's refreshing to, to be in the, to, yeah. to be the mindset of these guys, right? It, it, Rory winning, Phil coming off a win. Tiger coming off these last two weeks, Augusta guys is going to be bonkers. We might have to do special episodes every night. <laughs> on that. I'm serious, man. It is going to be. I'm in. It I'm is going to be bonkers. We'll we'll be like the uh, CBS evening. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited for that tournament and, and Golf Central. <laughs> add in add in all the other stories of that week, you know, and 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 the you know Sergio coming back after his baby's born and yep. uh, just so many cool stories. DJ who hasn't been playing recently and. Oh my gosh, so many cool stories. And well, guys, look, it's been a fun. We we called it a short show. You get two events like March Madness and and, Ar- and Arnold Palmer invitation with Tiger in contention. Uh it's tough to go short, right? Yeah, uh, tough. Any, any final thoughts on sports this week, Bill or Todd? Uh Sean, you you, t- you tickled earlier that um that uh Bay Hill sets up for the Masters. I read today Rose and Stenson aren't playing in the in the World Golf 
uh, match play. And Adam Scott be- ju- just dropped out. Yeah, be- because apparently this maybe it's the course or the format. It's it's not good for for um, for Augusta. So I thought that was that was pretty interesting. Good, good. All right, very good. Uh, Todd, what do you got going on this week? Uh, Sean, we got uh, meetings, 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 sales meetings, uh, more sales meetings. Uh, gosh, I just like to sell, but I appreciate um, why we have these. It's to uh, sharpen the store. It's to, to be as best you can. It's to share best practices. So um, tomorrow is prep for that. Wednesday is calls. Thursday is sales meetings. Um, one thing I forgot to mention last week, and I was kicking myself, but I had the national sales meeting the week before. The, the theme of the week, and I thought this can apply not only in real estate, but in life and also uh, doors and hardware, is it was a simple phrase, and our president repeated over and over, strategy wins the culture. I'm sorry, strategy wins the quarter, culture wins the decade. Yeah. And uh, basically, he's saying, hey, here's our next 10 years. We, we've got to change our culture. Um, we can be, you know, we can maneuver and make the quarter numbers look good, but if we be successful in the long run, it's a culture thing, and I think uh, that probably applies to real estate and, and everything else. So I thought that was pretty neat. Meant to bring it up last week. I didn't, but I wanted to uh, to bring it up. Awesome. Great job this week, Todd. Hey, Billy, uh, good episode with Ethan Butte last week from Bomb Bomb. Always like to hear from those guys and their creative uh, juices, what's going on in the in the field of video email marketing. Yeah. Uh, who you got this week, and tell me what else you got on your agenda. Yeah, I go local this week with Ken Brownlee. He's a Keller Williams agent doing some great things with the team. Just a really nice guy. And he took him on my first gator hunt when I first moved here. So yeah, I owed him. It was great. We didn't find one, but he was trying hard. And then, uh, Sean, my, my week's going to sound much like yours, I think. <laughs> I'm, I'm headed out. As soon as we hang up and this thing renders, I'm on the way to the airport. We're headed to uh, Phoenix. Really excited to play Papago tomorrow. Introduce you to a really great Muni course. And then uh, we have our, I'm really, you know, I've, I ran through my part of the presentation a few times today. I feel good. It's going to be a lot of fun. Did you uh, see the slides I added in at the end? I did. Beautiful. So yeah. it, it's going to be a, a good time at the Arizona Association of Realtors State Convention in Glendale, Arizona. Uh, and then I leave Thursday morning for San Diego, two more rounds of golf, and our 32nd rotisserie baseball draft uh, for the San Diego Smokey Joe League. So it's a big, fun week for me. Is it, Todd, this is Bill's year. I feel it. He, he's, 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 he's tuned up on us in every pull we've done. This has to be Bill's year. Don't ask us for any advice, Bill. Just go with your gut. It was last year. I blew everything last year trying to win. I traded away all value at a run at the pennant and came up short. So it's a rebuilding year, but thank you for your, for your kind. Hey, lots, lots of teams have been there. Hey, look, the okay. Phillies did the, the Phillies did that for the last four years and picked up Jake Arrieta. So yeah, you who go. knows? You never know. I mean, hey, name your team UMBC. Just name it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rename it. Good call. <laughs> yeah. What's That's up, Sean? Awesome. What's up with uh, you? Hey, for me, uh, same as Bill heading out to Phoenix, Arizona, excited to, to, to attend my first Arizona association Realtors convention. I'm doing a, a morning uh, keynote and then Bill and Jeff Chalmers and I get to, share the stage and do kind of a, a kind of a cool, we're doing a panel discussion. That's not a panel discussion. It's kind of a, a rebar uh, panel bill. Uh, yeah. we're, we're kind of talking, we're doing kind of a, uh, we're calling out a realtor, a lender and a title guy walk into a bar and we're going <laughs> to sort of just be up on the stage at a, at a high top um, and sort of letting, the, letting this, letting the audience listen into our conversation about what we do to not only generate business, but to work across the lines with other affiliate people and try and make the customer this a smooth transaction for the customer and like what do we do to get the customers serve the customers and 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 leave a memorable experience for them so i'm really excited to, to spend some time with two of my good buddies uh bill and jeff doing that 
and then we get to see Dane and and James Adams and a bunch of other really cool people play some cornhole, drink some beers in the sun. Uh, and so, it's not uh, it's not Jeff Chalmers, is it? Yep. Well, it why, do I, why do I know that name? I've been hanging out with you guys for too long. Yeah, you know him. If I know that name, <laughs> exactly. He's probably one of your one of your uh, Twitter buddies. So, uh, all right, guys. Well, hey, on behalf of Todd in Atlanta and Bill in St. Pete and Sean in soon to be Phoenix, Arizona. Thanks for listening to the Stare Down.